The Advent series today means we are yet again one week closer to Christmas. And I'm sure for some of you, and, and even myself, it's a reminder of, man, I really need to get all the things that we need for Christmas done. I need to check those boxes off. I bet even now, maybe you're thinking through some of those things that you have left to do, that list that you have. This season of Christmas, it can mean so many things for, for all of us. It could mean hmm, maybe Christmas gifts. I can't wait to give that gift. I hope they like it. Or maybe we're saying, oh, I can't wait to open my gift. Man, they better be good. So help me, Mom, if I got another pair of socks. It's all I get for Christmas. Or maybe it's about family time for you. Even amidst all these restrictions and rules that are in place, maybe it's just about slowing down getting together, and just spending time with your immediate family at your home. Maybe you're thinking, I can't wait till we're all together, gathering around the tree and the table, and just slowing down for a couple of days. Or maybe it's about the decorations, getting into the season through turning your home into a winter wonderland, something even... Uh, something that even Ebenezer Scrooge would be proud of. Whatever it may be, most of us look forward to Christmas. And those reasons that listed before are all great reasons to look forward to Christmas. I know for me, when I was younger, I couldn't wait to open the gifts. I was a little bit selfish. (laughs) But I also couldn't wait to see the look on my siblings' faces as they opened their gifts and and seeing the smiles that that the gifts brought to their faces. Even more than that, and even to this day, I look forward to the time spent with the family. The opportunity to stay close and to spend time together. Maybe even as we play games or just talk to each other and enjoy the laughs and the smiles that go along with them. But with all the restrictions that are in place, maybe this year you're not looking forward to Christmas as much as you normally would be. I think for many of us this year... This year has been incredibly tough. It has been stressful. It has been, quite frankly, a very hurtful year with many disappointments. For many of us, we've had to roll with the punches. And others, your life has been completely turned upside down, especially from what it looked like last year. No matter where you find yourself as you reflect on this year, I want to encourage you to engage with our Advent series. I believe for all of us, the number one thing that we really need to hear is we need to hear what God has to say to us. Today, we're going to look at what God has to say on hope, what God has to say to us about our hope. And I want to start today's message by just, again, slowing down, and I want to give us all an opportunity to think through how we are doing right now in this moment, in this season, to think through where we are at. So we're going to do a reflective prayer. So I want to encourage you, just close your eyes as we do this reflection. And the thought I want you to think about is this. Where are you right now as we start this Christmas season?
And as you do, I want you to also think through this question alongside it. What does hope mean for you today? What does hope mean for you today? God, we, just, we want to invite you into our, our thoughts, into this moment. And, and God, I think if, if we were to have an opportunity to share, I think all of us would share about some of the burdens and, and some of the disappointments that are really weighing us down. And God, that's, that's okay that we're there. It's okay that we have these disappointments. But God, I, I pray for, for each and every single one of us as we think through that list, as we think through all these things, God, I hope and I pray, Lord God, that we would know the hope that you have given us, that we have hope in you. And so, God, I pray as we get into this message that your words about hope would come to the forefront, that we would hear from you today, God. And I pray that everything else, all the background noise would just disappear. And we'd be left with this message of your hope. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. I want to share a few words that I've heard from some friends recently. It's what they've been experiencing and and what they've been going through. For some, they've been facing some really tough things. And with it, tough emotions. Some have experienced a sense of loneliness. I've also heard from others that they've felt it hard to focus during their day. Others have felt like they can do nothing in this season. They feel landlocked at home, unsure if they should even go out. From one friend, I I heard how they lost their job. The world we are living in in 2020 looks very much, uh, sorry, looks very different than recent years past. We, we feel it. We really feel it. It is impacting us to our core. We aren't able to visit with our loved ones and our friends. It's incredibly tough when we're not able to connect how we would like to, and it has been tough. And I think the reason why it's so tough that we can't connect with our friends is that's because of that's how we are actually made to be. We are made to be in community. We are made in the Father's image. We are created by a God who in himself is community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so if you are struggling with all these measures and and you are missing your old way of life, know that you are in good company. That you are, what you are experiencing is a healthy emotion. I know in some way we are all struggling through this, some more than others, but we are all in this together. I know about a month ago, sports got shut down, and that kind of sent ripples uh, throughout our students, and I'm sure some of you that are here this morning or listening online feel that sting uh, particularly. These measures are tough, but also I know through them the government is trying their best to keep people safe. It's also tough to just trust them to make decisions for us. For some of us, all of the decisions being made are, are not enough. We would like to see some more measures to keep our loved ones safe. Others think the decisions that have been made are way too far 
And regardless of where you are on that scale, I think it's easy for us to be left with this sense of hopelessness, not knowing when they will be less and never mind gone. And in the midst of all this messiness, we as Christians have hope. It's a tough thing to fully understand uh, in the midst of all these worldly things going on. And let's be honest, though, it's, it's so easy to get stuck focused on the things that are pulling our attention. Sometimes that's all we can see. It's all around us, and it is constantly changing and morphing. At least I know that's for me. It gets overwhelming at times. So what is the hope that we have as Christians through all this stress and all these restrictions? What is that hope? Well, before we talk about that, let's talk about what hope means just in general. Then we can dive into the hope that we have as Christians. So what is hope? Well, when we look at hope, for some of us, it can mean this, this definition as defined in the Oxford Dictionary, a feeling of expectation and a desire for a certain thing to happen. This feeling or desire is a common understanding for wanting something to change. It is what hope is. All hope looks like this, even whether you're a Christian or you're not. That is what hope looks like. If we hope for something to happen, it is a desire for something to change and be different. We can hope to find that last little bit of change so we don't have to pull out our car during a drive through We can hope for a relationship to be different. Maybe, maybe we did something, whether accidental or not, and now our friend is hurt. You hope that things with that friend will get better. You can hope after you move that your child finds friends at their new school. You can hope that COVID will be done soon. No matter what you are hoping for, I want to remind you that if you are a Christian, our hope actually is very different than if you weren't a Christian. I think too often we find ourselves just putting hope out there and not grounding it with faith, which is what our first point, which our first point is for this message today. Hope with faith is what makes our hope as Christians dynamically different. Hebrews tells us in chapter 11, verse 1, that now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. About what we do not see. In this chapter, the writer of Hebrews is telling us that faith is made up of the things we hope for rather than the things that we can see. He continues saying that it, it was faith that helped our ancestors survive in the coming passages. And it is by faith that the hope we have looks very different. Again, the writer goes on to talk about some of the biblical giants of our faith. He talks about Enoch and Abraham and Noah and Jacob and even Joseph. And how these men were placed, how, how these men placed their faith in God and began to hope in what God was promising them. And by them living out their faith in God and hoping that these things would come to pass and living that out, how God had called them to live out, they saw change. And through that, they changed the world. I've often described faith as not just believing in something, but actually acting on it. If faith is the action, hope is the belief part. The thought and prayer behind the action. Faith means acting. 
hope means believing. Faith and hope as Christians go hand in hand. For Abraham and Sarai, that was kind of talked about in Hebrews there, they hoped and they wanted, that hope was placed in a child. They wanted a child. But by the time they had already gotten quite old and they were still hoping for a child to come, And they weren't quite sure if it was going to happen for them. In fact, they didn't believe it could happen anymore. After waiting for some time, they tried to take things into their own hands and get a child through the means of one of their servants. They took the off-ramp for the way that God had called them to live their life and the way that they were to see this promise, his promise, God's promises, play out in their life. And after they had done this, after they had taken the decision into their own hands and have a child through the servant, God shows up and he reminds Abraham of his his promise. When God says, I am God Almighty, walk before me faithfully and be blameless, then I will make my covenant between me and you and I will greatly increase your numbers. God means Abraham and Sarah will not have a child through other means. God wants them to stick with him, to walk through the plan that he had in place. God is going to allow Abraham and Sarai to have a child. Not Abraham through Sarai's servant. Abraham and Sarai will. Meaning Abraham and Sarai were avoiding the path that God had laid out for them in their life. And here is our second point for today's message. It's found right there. When we, like Abraham and Sarai, try to take our faith and hope out of God's hands and do what we need to do to make it happen ourselves, we will quickly find that we are not putting our faith and hope in God, but rather we are pretending to be our own gods of our life. Put simply, hope and faith is meant to be placed in God, not in people or in worldly solutions. When God gives us a promise, he will deliver. And I will say probably 10 times out of 10, these promises are not going to happen in our timing, but they will happen according to God's schedule and his perfect timing for our life. You see, Abraham and Sarai, their timing for God's blessing would happen when God wills it to happen. And one of the most amazing things about our God is that he is a patient and forgiving and loving God. Shortly after, we see Abraham begin putting his faith and hope in God rather than in his efforts. We see that represented by Abraham and Sarai's choice to follow and act upon what God was calling him to do. God later in Genesis 22 asks Abraham and and Sarah to change Sarai's name to Sarah. It is this symbolic change of belief for Abraham and Sarah. They are changing Sarai's name to Sarah. The belief from Abraham and Sarah would shift to getting back onto God's path, the path that God had called them to walk out. You see, God will do amazing things when we give him the reins of our life. And when we are walking in step with him, God calls us to walk in step with him. And when we do, amazing things are going to happen. 
So we are called to walk with him, and so we should walk with God closely. Pursue him with our everything. When we try to take shortcuts shortcuts in our life, like Abraham and Sarai, things will begin to fall apart. We will step out of the blessing that God has for us. Sarai changing her name was a part of what God had asked Abraham and her to do. And so she is now known as Sarah. And for us, this is our third point, found in the action of Abraham and Sarai and Sarah. It happens, it answers, sorry, it answers what is the power of hope. Hope has power when we put our faith into action. Hope has power when we put our faith into action. The power of hope is faith. As I said before, faith is an action word. Faith requires us to do, to live out, and to hold on to the promises of God. It is, it is tough sometimes. Let's be real. It can be very tough in the midst of our struggles to continue to act on hope and faith. Sometimes it's going to be easy, much easier, to try to just give up hope and faith and try to take things back into our hands rather than do life the way that God had called us to live. And I find far too often when we do that, we fall into the trap that the enemy has laid out for us. It will feel good for a season. It'll feel right. Everything will go well with us making our own decisions. But sooner or later, we will find ourselves in a pit, in this hole that we have dug for ourselves. See, Abraham and Sarah are old. God, how is it going to happen? Even Sarah, when she finds out what God kind of promised her, she is laughing. How, how do you have this in store for me, God? I'm not going to get pregnant. I'm very old. And she laughs. But Abraham is trusting God's word. When Abraham begins trusting in God again and putting his faith into action, we see a miraculous thing happen. Even though Abraham and Sarah are in old age, Sarah gets pregnant. Hope with faith is a dangerous agent for change. Things will come to pass when we put our faith into action. The only reason we can hope as Christians is because we have a mighty God who acts righteously. We have hope because God acts and changes things for his good. In Romans 8:28 we read and we know that in all things God in all things God's works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. In fact Abraham and Sarah's lineage continues as we would read in Matthew 1 verse 1. It continues all the way to lead directly to Jesus Christ, the hope of mankind. In the Old Testament, we read about the hope of a Messiah, Jesus. Jesus Christ is that hope, which is my fourth point. Jesus is that hope. In the Old Testament, they are waiting for the Messiah to come and save them. And true to fashion, God does things in his own timing. Jesus comes as we know and as we read in the Gospels, but he doesn't come even as they thought that he would come. He doesn't come to reclaim the world and restore things to the way that the people in the Old Testament wanted. Rather, he comes to be the lamb of the world, the provision for the ultimate sacrifice. But the story doesn't even end there. 
God's timing is coming for Jesus to return, as stated in Revelations 19, 11 to 16, which reads, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one but he himself knows. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword which, with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. What a powerful couple of verses. Our hope as Christians amidst this trying time is to continue to pray for Jesus' return. We wait expectantly like the followers and the apostles of the New Testament. Our hope is not waiting for worldly means to fix our world. The sad truth is, even if and when COVID is gone, something new will take its place. May not be a virus, may not be this kind of sickness or anything like that, but something new will take its place for sure. This world is not what and who we're living for, period. We are on a path like Abraham and Sarah, expectantly waiting for God to do a miracle. We pray that God will move in our world, that his return will be soon for all of us. Each and every single one of us are desperately in need of the hope of the world. Our hope, the hope of the world, is Jesus Christ. The people of God all through the, throughout the Old Testament were waiting for their Savior, their hope of the world. We had the Liskey family read in Isaiah 42, 1-4 uh, this morning. It, it is all about Jesus being that hope of mankind. This hope comes in the form of a child, which we celebrate this December. And all throughout the Old Testament, they are waiting for this Messiah to come. That is who their hope was in. We, as people who are living after the Old Testament and the New Testament, our hope is still found in Jesus. He, who he, sorry, who he was and what he has accomplished. But even further than that, our hope is in his return. So in this season, how can we put our hope our, our, our faith into action. Just like the apostles, we can make it our mission to live with hope and faith. When our hope is set firmly and fixed in Christ, and our faith accompanies our hope through our actions, we will set this world ablaze with love and the power of Christ. That is how we have true hope. Whenever we hope in the promises that God has given to us, we can believe and trust that God will come through. We just need to live and follow the path that God has placed before us. And in his perfect timing, it will come to place. I think 
this isn't in my message here. I haven't written it down ahead of time, but I think the reason why I talked about Abraham and Sarah is because that's Lara and I's hope. We, we want a child, and we have to trust that in God's perfect timing, it will come to pass. And our hope and our faith is not placed in here and now. We trust that God's word will come true, that we will continue to follow him, and his perfect timing will make everything come to place, will make everything come into place. We place our hope and trust in God. And so today, we, we really looked at three questions. What is the hope for us as Christians? What is the power of hope? And how do we have true hope? All four points that we looked at are centered around these three questions. I hope that this message allows you to think through and answer for yourself, not just today, but on a day-to-day basis, what your hope is, why you have hope, and just how powerful it is to live in the power of the hope that is Christ Jesus. Today we're celebrating communion, which is this act of remembrance of the sacrifice of Jesus, what he did for us on that cross, but further the fact that he came into this world, lived a perfect life, a sinless life, died on a cross for our sins. And we get to celebrate that fact when we look at communion. We get to proclaim his name until he returns. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, it says, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. What an amazing promise that we have. What an amazing symbolic act that we get to do when we eat that bread and drink that wine or juice. We proclaim Jesus. We remember him until he returns. I'm just going to pray and and ready our hearts for communion, um, and and then I'll lead us in communion. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this message of hope. God, I thank you that our our message of hope is a wildly just beautiful thing that you give us. What an amazing gift that you've given us, a gift of hope. God, I pray that we will continue to place it in you. Jesus, you, you did so much for us. You gave birth to each and every single one of us. You formed us in our mother's wombs. And, and Father, you didn't just stop there. You, you saw Adam and Eve sin, and the whole world continues to do that. We continue to do that. And yet, on a cross, God, you paid for those sins. You offer us forgiveness. And God, we, we have accepted that forgiveness. And so, Lord, we, we get brought into this beautiful family called a church. Lord, as, as we look at the elements of communion, we remember the sacrifice that you did for us. The fact that you broke your body on a cross for us. That you spilled your blood for us, Christ. I pray, Lord God, that we would just 
take that in and remember that and celebrate the fact that that cross wasn't your death. You returned to life. And we get to remember that and we get to celebrate that, that you came back to life. And God, we get to look forward to the day you return. In your name we pray, amen. The Apostle Paul tells us that on the night on which Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Paul goes on to tell us that in the same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Paul then reminds us that whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the death of Jesus until he comes again. Amen.